0: You want to tell me what I'm drinking?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So this is a blend of a black tea from Ceylon from Sri Lanka. It's called the Beverly. Uh, I like this black tea a lot because it's like a big long leaf black tea. And that's like, uh, really kind of jammy It has like a kind of like natural kind of like a tamarind and guava kind of like thick jamminess to it. You'll see like the long black tea leaves in there. If you just take one of those tea leaves and you just chew on it, and mix it around in your, uh, saliva, you'll get like a kind of thick kind of tamarind jammy sweetness to it. Yeah. See what you find there.
0: I see what you're saying.
1: So we, uh, we blended uh, I blended that tea with uh, raspberry leaves and with uh, cinnamon, I believe.
0: Yes. And that's, our, our goal,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we made this to commemorate the Glenlivet's 14 year aged, uh, con, 14 year cognac barrel aged whiskey. Um, so that blend, uh, if you like brew it really strong and then throw in some, uh, Glenlivet 14, a little bit of lemon, some sugar, it makes a really, really nice cocktail. Like, uh, I wish I like had that with me. I have yeah. nothing. Here.
0: I'm <laughs> no, in the middle really? of nowhere. I mean, I have a bottle of mezcal. That's about it.
1: Wow. I don't really you drink have, too much. Have,
0: I drink more tea.
1: And you have the endless ocean behind you.
0: Yeah, the ocean is good enough for me. That's, that's where I drown right? my sorrows instead of at the bottom of the <laughs> good. bottle. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> that's not bad. So, so yeah. Okay, sorry, for so finish. yeah, sorry.
1: Uh no, so that's uh that that's what that what, what that blend is. We we do a lot of collaborations with uh with with actually lately we've Looks been doing cool more in and the more background. In, yeah, <laughs> lately we've been doing more and more collaborations with uh, different liquor companies, it, it's like it's so much fun, man. We do some work with this uh, this rum company called Banks. Okay. Uh, they have the Banks Five and the Banks Seven. It's just like delicious blended rum, and they focus on awesome. rum punches. And, and okay. tea is a tea is like a part of part of the definition of a classic rum punch, is that it includes tea and spices. It's like tea, spices, citrus, sugar, and rum.
0: It's funny, so, I didn't really make this correlation, but later tonight I'm doing a, another episode with a friend who's who's a, I mean, I hate the word mixologist, but like, you know, yeah. she, she, they call it, they say bartender. Um, like the the really legit liquor people, cocktail people yeah. say bartender. They, they don't like mixologist. Um, anyway, like right. she's my friend who I know through someone named Sasha Petrosk, who's like the godfather of it all. But um, yeah,
1: I've heard of Sasha Petrosk
0: he's milk and honey. He's, he, he's responsible for any cocktail that you get today, period. And Lucinda Sterling is one of his like OG, I don't know what you call it. Proteges. I I think protege would be a a fair term. So I'm doing it with her tonight.
1: I went to milk and honey in like 2007 when when I, I used to go to school in New York. Oh, cool. And I went, I went to milk and honey in 2007 and it changed my life. Like, Oh, that's what me, that's part of what we wow. want to open up our tea room you know like, oh look, crazy okay yeah, yes. yeah let me show you something real quick like if you see like see this is our building you know so like yeah give us the tour when you walk into our building it's like so very for, non- for the people
0: who are just d- doing audio uh we're looking at like a regular nondescript hallway
1: right there's like OSHA rights you know it's like <laughs> this used to be lab corpse office uh, used to do like drug <laughs> drug tests and blood tests
0: fluorescent lighting in the ceiling with one of those things where like you think you're gonna like like r- remove the panel and there's gonna be someone hiding right. up there like you know
1: <laughs> it's like beige walls beige yeah. floor and then we have a little sign could here be a take- nursing
0: home and then jojo tea, tea room.
1: tasting room by reservation only and then we come into this
0: completely another world oh wow it's a beautiful all door
1: Our tea ware here we have all of our teas stacked up and then we open up here into like the hq where we have you know, oh wow this
0: is a lot of space yeah
1: yeah well i mean we we, we sell tea to we have over 300 yeah, accounts you're all before. you
0: have tons of accounts yeah i want to talk yeah. about that too obviously i mean tons of stuff
1: yeah, this Beautiful. is like uh, you know where we put. We have like meditation cushions down here. We'll, this uh, is Coral gonna, Gables, right? Yeah. Well, it's like Coral Gables, little Havana. You know. Cool. Uh, So this is this is the tasting room. We have our tea bar where we can do Gongfu tea. This is a crazy Gongfu tea pot that I bought for big tea ceremonies, and then this whole shit went down, and now awesome. I can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it'll 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 work out eventually. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, in here, this is our, like our packaged inventory. That's ready to ship to, uh, restaurants and uh, for website sales and so forth. Great. Um, there's two amazing human beings. This is the back of Nan Nan's head. That's the back of Cindy's head. Hi everybody. And then, uh, this is where we have the bulk tea like camellia sinensis, you know, this is where we have all the white tea, yeah, green yeah. tea, black tea, oolong cool. tea, and pu- pu'er aging. And then if we come in cool. here, this is where we have all the, the herbs, the chamomile, the rose petals, the peppermint, the cinnamon, the ginger. Oh, that's cool, it. you
0: keep them in separate areas, yeah. Yeah, because the aroma in this room is yeah, super exactly.
1: intense, you know, and then over here we have all of our blends where, you know, we'll make a big batch of the blend and we'll lock it away. You'll seal them, and yeah. Yeah. And then when we need to, uh, to package more of the blend, we'll, uh, you know, just pull it from there.
0: So it's, this is like a random note. I mean, we haven't done like a proper introduction. We're kind of just like going in, but, um, people just like think, you know, tea and it's just one thing. And first of all, like tea is camellia sinensis leaf and then other things in hot water, like herbal, like chamomile and mint. Those are just other things in hot water and what, what you I, what can't I, put those together unless you're doing a blend but if you put them in just like your cabinet you know if you put like nice green tea that's not oxidized next to you know some some chamomile that, that's the, the the floral essence of it that's effectively like what you do with jasmine teas like you're putting flowers exactly. in with green tea if you do that unintentionally you are you know you could get something yeah. cool, but you're getting something different and you have yeah, to. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then like, especially like, you know, if people, uh, you know, I'm very much aware of the fact that like, if you go to their grocery store, you can find tea that's a lot less expensive than our tea, you know? Sure. Uh, but it's and I think that, not... <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere near the something quality else. at all, you mm-hmm. know? But my point is that if somebody then goes and spends the money on our tea and they're buying a 2007 Hong Kong aged raw poor uh from Baoshan that was like a uh, Hong Kong high humidity for three years and then like uh lowered humidity every year after that and then they store that next to peppermint because it's in their tea cabinet then like all of the nuance that that tea has been building up over the past 13 years is gonna be lost and that's fucking tragic you know <laughs> that, that that like that's a, if it's like you said if it's not purposeful and intentional then uh then it's great you know experiment with it have fun you know i keep all uh, my stuff in different
0: places in my in my house in new york i don't obviously don't store the way that you do i don't have like that much but um you know i have my pu'er area i have my fresh stuff i have a different shelf in my fridge for japanese versus chinese because the uh, the greens the aroma is totally like when you drink a Chinese grain versus a Japanese green, it's you wouldn't if different you didn't world. know better, like they it's just a completely different thing. Um yeah. and I keep my herbals in a
1: whole nother area. In my yeah. apartment, I, I'm like that. I have like I have like a drawer in my bedroom with all of my fermented tea, with all of my oh, yeah. like liu, liu Bao and poor uh-huh. And then I have another drawer just full of of raw pour, like by age, and then I have a little closet that's where I hope have my like personal collection of any oxidized teas, you know? Yeah. And then like green tea and white tea, honestly, like, I don't even, I don't like, I don't drink enough of them to like have at home because I always drink them in the office. You know, I tend to drink green tea and you white tea, like it, during yeah. the day, uh-huh. in the afternoon. And then the stuff that I have at home. I drink is, like, a lot shins, of Japanese
0: you know? tea. So I, I didn't until I went. And then once I, once I, I did two months for like Shinsha, and, and Sakura season and I that I'm not gonna lie like you know that got me more yeah, sure. hooked than I was before I was always I, I was I'd say my ratios were like way 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 on the I, I'd say even you know Taiwanese oolongs like like Chinese were was, was high up super super yeah. high dominant and then Taiwanese oolongs were a huge part of my regiment and Japanese greens were like something I would do here and there and it was honestly because I just I didn't know I didn't quite know what I was doing, and there's very few places and very few people in the in the West who do I think. Um, right. And uh, Chinese attitude is different, and if you yeah. don't know what you're doing with Japanese teas, you trash them and play, like, of course. like you just trash them. Exactly, and I, they're the most I think I needed to go there to tea. learn.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, I think they're the most temperamental tea. It's the, the easiest tea to mess up. And that's why, like, it. Like, you know.
0: I just did not know that you're meant to. Yeah. You're supposed to, like, drip. No one never dripped Gyokoro for me until yeah, I course. went to Japan. And then I was like, wait a second. So, so I I understood that you had to do it super cool, like 149. I had had Gyokoro like that, but it still it didn't blow me away. I was like, this is this is cool. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. But then I didn't understand the... um. No saturation of it i I didn't understand to to the 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 dripping process i i just it never occurred to me to use that kind of ratio and i don't
1: know i i'm sorry i i don't go for you. i just I, i don't know if you've covered this on the podcast but how did you first get into tea
0: wait fuck so okay so let's do introductions which we didn't even do this is you, t- you. You do you do you, and 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 then I'll tell I'll tell some. Uh, all right,
1: yeah, cool. And so, plug uh,
0: plug away, like tell yeah. people where you where you're at and like how to find you online and stuff. Which I'll, I'll obviously list it. That's that's why I didn't really care about like doing the introduction off the top, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah, no like be in the description my, and stuff. But yeah, introduce yeah. yourself and
1: you know all that. My name's Mike. My name's Mike Ortiz. Um, I'm the founder of a small tea company in Miami called JoJo Tea. Uh, we I founded it in 2011. Um, at the time, I was a uh, yoga and meditation instructor in Miami, um, and I had found my way into a small Buddhist temple because uh, I wanted to practice uh, Vajrayana Buddhism and like, do uh, you know what that is? Like the Tibetan lineages and stuff like that. I wanted to practice I more like Tantra. So it's like uh, the the tantric lineages of Buddhism, you know, very intense, like spiritual practices and retreats, a lot of like, you know, uh, like to become a teacher on, in this lineage, you need to go on a three year retreat. Uh, sure. Yeah, there's it like uh, it's and it's like uh, it fascinated me because it was like spirituality as a series of practices instead of as like a philosophy or a uh, or a series of mythologies, you know, it was like a series of practices. And I, I went. Be- I, spe-
0: I met someone from the Rubin Museum in New York, and mm-hmm. I spent a bunch of time there recently. Uh, have you? Been, do you know it? Have you been there?
1: I, I know it, but I haven't been. It's they, it's they cool. Like the I biggest biggest mean, collection, they, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's where, like, I kind of learned, like, what you know, tantric means outside of like <laughs> part of it, where it's like, uh, yeah, it's about sex and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's
1: hippies in Sedona, naked hippies in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's, it's cool. It's, it, there's a lot to learn. I, I spent I like so. hours there. Yeah. Just like reading yeah. everything. It was, it was a lot anyway, please continue. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, no. So like, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of dove in head first and really wanted to uh, study as much of the Buddhism as I could. And, uh, and I was fascinated by like mysticism and mystic practices and, and, but I was just as fascinated by the director of the center that I was studying at the director of the temple, because this lady, she was like an accomplished master in Tibetan Buddhism an accomplished master in Chinese Buddhism, an accomplished master in Japanese Buddhism. And she, like, if you ask her, like, what is your practice? You know, she would, she did a lot of, uh, she did a lot of, um, Qigong, you know, she taught Qigong, she taught meditation, okay. et cetera. Uh, but, but if you ask her, what's your practice, she said that her practice is tea. Cool. And I was like, and I, and I was like, I, I, I didn't understand it at all. You know, I grew up in Miami. I was an amateur boxer and uh and a football player. And then I decided I wanted to be a movie star. So I took LSD <laughs> and moved to New York you know, <laughs> and like, uh, I wasn't like, uh, I had no idea there was even such a thing as tea masters, you know? Uh-huh. And I just like, I was so floored at the simplicity of her practice and that somebody like this who has seen kind of like the depths of mysticism and of the mystic experience. If this person could pick, uh, you know, if this person could pick tea as a practice, there needs to be a lot more to a lot more to this that I, that I just don't understand, you know? And, um, and I spent three years with her studying meditation and Buddhism. And tea was just like a part of every day, you know, but, but there was, but it was interesting cause I noticed that there was a big difference in like the quality of the tea and in the quality of the moment when she made tea versus when anybody else made tea. Right. You know, um, when she made tea, it felt like the city got quiet. Hmm. You know, it felt like, it felt like all the cars just stopped moving. Like everybody, Oh, hang on, Master Sai is making tea. And then everybody just stopped what they were doing. You know? Um, and I felt like there was this tremendous gravity to that moment. And it made me, and, you know, being like obsessed with mysticism, I felt like, man, like there's something really interesting going on here. There must be some kind of alchemy that I'm not even aware of that's, that's happening here, you know? And then one day she kind of just like threw me under the bus or threw me into the fire, I guess is a better way to say it. She, uh, there was this really important guru visiting from Nepal, uh, that was like, Way up in the lineage, he like ran his own monasteries and shit. And uh, when he came, Master Sai was like, Hey, Michael, uh, make tea for us. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know, she had never asked me to make tea for her, and now she wasn't just asking me to make tea for her, she was making tea. She was asking me to make tea for somebody that her and I both respected as a superior, you know. So it was like, Holy shit, like you know, it kind of like I, I like had a little like <laughs> nervous breakdown and made tea, whatever. But it, oh, it what do you, me, do you remember?
0: What kind of tea and and how you prepared no, it?
1: I you know I uh, in retrospect it must have been like a Dongting oolong, Taiwanese okay. oolong, don't think uh-huh. Taiwanese oolong. You know, um, because I, at the time I didn't know the name of any teas. You know? For those just, of
0: those listening who don't know, that's like this sort of roasted, chocolatey, almost. It can be super chocolatey oolong. Um, that's, that's, it's good year round, but there's particular, like, it's, it's really like, it kicks ass in the winter. Like, it's just like the best winter tea. Uh, there's a place in New York called Tay Company that I'll have them on at some point and they get, they get really, really delicious dong ding. And I always, um, my friend Jason, who Jason Chang, who I'll have on also at some point he brings me, he's Taiwanese and he brings me stuff all the time and particularly those, like once you really get into tea, that's one of my favorite kinds of teas. But specifically, like if you get to the point where your palate can taste the difference between different Dongdings, like you're really like operating nice. at a at a at a sweet level, and you'll understand so much about tea. It's it's like it's really one of the best teas, and there's so much nuance between all of them.
1: Well, you know, get don't to the point was, where you can learn it. Yeah, Dongding was the first mountain in Taiwan to grow to to grow tea. You know. Yeah. So Dong Ding is considered is very much like the classic Taiwanese flavor. You know, it's like before the whole like lightly oxidized jade oolong came about. You know, it was like it was all Baozhong and uh, right. and uh, Dong Ding. From what I understand, Yeah, So so, so like, like
0: the oxidation spectrum like Baozhong is closer to green and dung ding is like closer to black but like it it's nothing like it's very different from black but it's just more oxidized it's darker it's roastier yeah Baozhong you could more very, nutty more
1: nutty mm-hmm. more like toasted chestnuts toasted uh walnut character you know toasted pecan
0: right it, it's it's awesome and Baozhong yeah. is more sensitive more sweet more delicate uh yeah. floral yeah I love Dongda. Yeah, man.
1: So so, so. at any rate, so like, so after spending a few years at the Buddhist temple and then, uh, you know, kind of like just fooling around with the Gong Fu tea style on my own for like, you know, a year and a half or something, Master Sai finally one day was like, Hey, Michael, you know, I see you've been making tea for a while. Uh, Let me teach you how to make tea, you know? Cool. So like she she had, I had been, (laughs) I had been studying tea under her for a year and a half before she taught me anything about tea, you know? And I think that that's like, man, the day that I could learn to be a teacher in that way, I, I I think that that's like, because I was learning so much subconsciously before I even knew that I was like learning it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, so then when she was finally like, all right, let me teach you how to make tea. We really went through like the technicalities of Kung Fu tea and Yixing clay and Uh, you know, how to brew tea on a drip tray and, uh, and then of course it was all integrated with like a really thorough Qigong practice. So we were also talking about like the alchemy of the microcosmic orbit. Uh, it's like, a have you ever heard of that?
0: No, 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 tell me about that.
1: Uh, it's like, uh, it's a principle that comes from, uh, uh, Qigong and from, uh, acupuncture, you know, about the, the meridians, have you heard of that?
0: I don't think so. I mean, t- t- this is all cool shit. So tell us about qigong. Tell us about all of it. Yeah.
1: All right. Word, word. Not so everyone like, like
0: chi- people are listening. That whatever, whatever I know, fuck it. Like they're not gonna. Yeah. It, so. Or yeah. not. Not to say. I just mean someone listening
1: isn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like uh, so basically like uh, qi is your 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 life force, right? And uh, it's like associated with your breath. I think like the best way to uh, to explain it, I think, is like. Imagine moving something heavy, you know, and you're standing next to something heavy and you like get low and you put your shoulder against it. And then you take a deep breath in and then you uh, push against it and expel that force. That's Chi. That's like a big gross movement of Chi of energy linked with the breath movement with intention. You understand? Mm -hmm. So if that's Chi, then gong. Is means uh like labor or work is like the root word, but if you think, but it's like the same root as gong fu, right? So, gong fu, uh, is not just a, a martial art, what gong fu actually means is uh, a practice or skill that is uh, undertaken with attention to detail and with the goal of mastery. Okay, you see. So, there's like a. So, your level, like your, your kung fu in in something is just really like your level of understanding and of skill uh, in this particular thing. Uh, You understand? uh, uh, So, that's what kung fu tea comes from. Okay. Yeah. Kung fu tea is like your, your skill, your, your familiarity with tea, you know, your, your practice of tea. That's what kung fu is, your work. So, it's more
0: applicable than I thought. I always associated it with like a certain type of preparation with a certain type of yixing and stuff like that and cups and whatever, but it's,
1: you know, it's tricky though. It's tricky because like it's used in both ways in one sense, oh, okay. in one sense, it's like Gong Fu tea just means an aesthetic mm-hmm. of like, you know, uh, that started in like the late seventies and the early eighties in Taiwan and is based on like a, a, a artful combination of Yixing clay, a drip tray, a little piece of nature, some nice cups, et cetera, you know, mm-hmm. that is, uh, called Gong Fu tea as an aesthetic. But okay. then at the same time, uh, like if you look at what is Gong Fu tea itself, not like what is the style of Gong Fu tea aesthetically, but what is Gong Fu tea itself, right? That is the, uh, it's like, a, it's a spiritual practice. Uh, the, the use of tea, yeah, like the practice of tea, you know. Somebody, if somebody has good gong fu of tea, they shouldn't need a thermometer or a scale or a stopwatch or anything like that, you know. So, like real, real good gong fu, you give them water and a way to heat it, and
0: yeah. you give them
1: something to put it in, and you give them tea, and they can make that delicious, you know. That's uh, like the flexibility of gong fu, you know. So, so then what is Qi gong, right? <laughs> so Qi gong. Yeah, I see is how you the, apply it. The gong fu of Qi, you mm-hmm. know, is like the practice of your life force and your breath and your energy. So, Love it. Uh, so what it translates into in reality is like a series of yoga, like poses, a series of Tai Chi, like, uh, movements in the body. Uh, and then a series of, uh, very detailed visualizations and breathing exercises, you know, so then like, uh, and the breathing exercises are associated with something called the meridians, that the meridians in yoga, they call them Nadis. So if anyone that's listening is a Yogi, uh, they've heard the term the Nadi, N-A-D-I, that's what the, the Chinese call meridians. And basically these are like the channels in the body that take, that carry energy, you know? So in the same way that the veins move blood back and forth, the nervous system moves energy and electricity back and forth, you know? So like, if we, if we look at like this side, like if we look at like the palm of the hand and the inside of the wrist and the inside of the elbow, everything bends in the same direction, you know, everything bends inward. And then if we look at the back of the fingers, the back of the hand, the back of the wrist, the back of the elbow, everything opens out. Right.
0: So you want so to it they...
1: going like that? that... Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And then, the, but right. then the same thing with the body, you know, you look at the front right. of the body, it all goes either this way mm-hmm. in the front of the body. When all of those muscles yeah, contract, like that? Yeah. we, we kind of go in toward our belly. And then when all of the muscles in the back contract, we arch, the chest opens up, we open up the neck etc right sure so then the the microcosmic orbit is uh on the inhalation uh a movement an energetic movement down the center of the spine uh where you can imagine something like uh like a pure white water coming into like the third eye and moving down the center of the spine and then accumulating in the dantian which is like just about two inches below your belly button. That's like your center of gravity, you know, uh, kind of like the, like the center of the solar plexus chakra. Uh, yeah, but it, like it's interesting cause it's like the center of the solar plexus chakra, chakra uh, theoretically, but on the body, it's where the sacral chakra is, you know, that's like the Dante Okay. Really. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so the inhale, uh sees like uh cooling uh energy that you know represents like yin yin energy represents materiality represents the physical world then we hold the breath just enough to generate some heat and then we imagine a white fire coming up the spine out the top of the head and that happens with the exhale and this orbit this circular pattern is a meditation technique that's used almost like a like acupuncture without needles because you you're generating you're generating energy and then as you're generating it you're bringing it back into the orbit circulating it and the idea historically has been that that's going to like break up the blockages in our nervous channels you know Mm -hmm. and make it a lot uh make our existence in the world a lot more like synchronous and a lot uh a lot less clumsy because, you know, we are a lot more integrated with the universe in ways that we can't even cognize, you know?
0: I dig it, okay. And then where does tea fit in on that plane
1: well, of, of thinking? So, so that it's like, a it's all, it's a, it, that remember I said that when Master Sai would make tea, it felt like the whole city got quiet. And it was because of the alchemical intention of, like when she was brewing tea, she was also practicing this where like as soon as the water would hit the tea, she would start breathing her own microcosmic orbit with the intention of breathing her best possible intention and energy out as the tea flowed out of the pot into the hmm. cup, you know?
0: So she would kind of sink her body's internal movement,
1: the steeping of the tea and the... the her, her, her body, her, her, body, her in intention... Sink. Her body, her intention, uh, and the flowing of the water were all in synchrony, in perfect synchrony, you know?
0: So you could think about that as applying to different kinds of teas and different types of preparations of tea as having different effects on your body. Some tea, I'll steep really hot and it'll sit in there for a while. Some tea, I'll steep really cool and it'll be like instant and any variation along that that's something I've never really thought about it that way where, yeah, that's cool. I know. Ne- I never like a, thought about it as a, as a, as a
1: dual, as a parallel process. Yeah. Like as a, as a vehicle for the intention of the, call it like the peace of mind, the awakening of your guest, you know? Right. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a prayer, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just an intention. It's just a wish. But um, but to me, whenever this person made tea, there was an undeniable difference in the quality of the moment. You know, Sure. and I think that like uh, it's just like uh, that fascination, like grabbed me and 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 took me away. You know, like I spent the rest of my life just like studying that moment. How and, how like, long ago was that? That was like that was sometime in two
0: thousand ten. Okay, so and, it's and been then a decade.
1: I started the company in 2011. That was when I decided like into the first time that I ever tasted. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: The first time I ever tasted Oriental Beauty.
0: Ah, okay.
1: The moment that I tasted it, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) 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 Like, At the moment I tasted it, I was like, like, you gotta be kidding me that this exists. And like, nobody knows about it. Are you like, Dude, like you know, I like I I grew up like I you know I was like you know I've gone to good restaurants, I've had good meals, mm-hmm. I've had good wine, I've tasted some really delicious stuff, and this is something that I've never even like I never even knew existed, you know. I, oh like, man, it's
0: crazy how people yeah. just like the. I mean, a lot of like the reason why, and I'm and I'll do you know my my side of it, but a lot of the reason yeah. why like I care about this why like i'm i could call this show anything i could make it about anything and it's not all about tea but the reason why i put tea like in the center of it is just like not only is it is it all the things that you just described where it's it's so i mean i, I if you listen to like the first episode intro i talk about how it's like a metaphor for humanity to me in not the exact same way that you talked about it but it's a total analog and mm. in that you can basically live your life through the way that you have tea and it's so crazy so like not only is it like the most important thing that I, you know I think to understand but nobody understands it and yeah <laughs> well, especially if, in the west it's so crazy how people just like they think tea is you know this the thing they just
1: oh god in the the East nobody understands it oh yeah no it's that's
0: true big you big go to tea. japan and you get bubble tea and like yeah. and,
1: and 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 i don't claim to understand it either but i but i oh, celebrate we're, the we're fact we're doing yeah I celebrate. I'm the like one percent. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I like, know
0: one percent, but like.
1: The, yeah, but the 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 unknown in tea is like uh, fascinating and exciting and sexy to me. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's what keeps it alive. It's a life that's pursuit.
0: True. Oh no, it'll never to me. So, like, long story short, what I said earlier was um you know, it's a metaphor for people and uh, we all come from the same thing yet through nature and nurture, we're spread into not only mm-hmm. these seven varietals, but infinite variations upon those varietals. And mm-hmm. it's tremendous. And every yeah, sip of tea, five degrees, five I,
1: degrees higher on the roast. Yeah, exactly. Degrees higher on the roast and it's a different tea. Whatever. Yeah.
0: That's something, you know, I made it, I made a note to get like your, your take on, on, and you kind of like started in a little bit of like the art versus the science of tea, how there's a lot of people who will, once you even get into the tea world, there are people that make it very, um, like, a, like a high learning curve. Like, Oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah, they they make it really like like a hard point of entry, where like yes. you have to do this, 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 and then this, or else it's not good. And and to me, you know, I think that there's a there is some science to it. Like, you don't want to burn Gilcoro or something like that. But past these few very learnable for anybody basics it's really it's it's an art it's a it's choice and it's how you choose to to, to live how you choose to exist with it how you experience it and exactly. yeah like and change five to, degrees and,
1: and, and if you're afraid to and if you're afraid to fuck up you're never gonna get better at it you're never gonna yeah. make a cup you're never gonna make a cup of tea that's gonna blow everyone away sure if, you know what i mean you like it's like uh, We, the only thing that you know for sure is that you're going to fuck up. So, so go. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry.
0: Not at all. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, 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 well here. So I, um, I'll give, I'll give a a short, um, I'll get, I'll give a short one so that listeners don't have to have to hear me go through, you know, retreads too much, but, um, I came to what?
1: I said listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not at all.
0: <laughs> um, it's early in the show, so it's a new show, so it's not it's not a cliche yet. Um, but uh, I got into tea really late in life, um, or, you know, it, was, it sounds like similar to you, like neither of us were, like, raised with good tea. Right. Like we, It was like one day, what the fuck, you know? But yeah. um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, uh, I okay, I haven't told, I haven't, like, given this yet, so I could do this. Um i didn 't drink hot stuff until my like mid twenties period i drank I, I i would i would sip soup, but when I was maybe eight years old i don 't know maybe even younger i went on i was with my family and we went on a snowmobiling trip and we had hot chocolate like on the break of the snowmobiling trip and that day I got sick and like a cold unrelated to the actual um snowmobile sorry unrelated to the hot chocolate but for some reason i associated are you still there
1: yeah i apologize i okay, got cool. no, no no all good i, I just wanted even. to make
0: sure yeah. um unrelated to the hot chocolate i got sick but in my like eight-year-old brain i associated hot stuff with sick
1: uh. and
0: i never had hot stuff so coupled with this i don't know strange I don't do drugs. I've never tried drugs. I've never had cigarettes. I've never had, co- I've never tasted coffee. So I wow. wasn't one to go and just like miss things. I, I wasn't, I wasn't one to be like when the, when my friends were doing something and like, like I needed to know about it. I, I never, I, I lacked that instinct. You liked so I, I never feared missing out. I was always just in my thing, in my own head. Um, and I avoided a lot of trying a lot of things because of that. So there was just no inroad for me. But between this this weird like hypochondria that I had as a as a young child to this like I'm not trying shit that I don't that, like if you tell me to try this I'll be like cool thanks for telling me and I may or may not... it's unrelated whether I actually do it or not. Uh, so it wasn't for a long time. Um, okay, and then the next stage was like my, you know, college years and stuff, like, you know, teens and, and early 20s, I was exposed to the westernized, the English kind of tea. And Where were you living? Oh, I'm from New York. so oh, yeah, I went you to, were living I went, in New York at the time? Yeah, I was living in New York. I went to college in Boston, but, you know, northeast, hmm. like, or wherever I would travel, just whatever exposure I would have to, you know, tea would be through English tea culture. It would be sure. people trying to get me to try it but they were English inspired or actually English people. And when I would, it was fucking trash.
1: So yeah. <laughs> I did try
0: it a few times. I remember particularly I had a female, I had a friend who was, who was British and she got me to try tea, but it was garbage. It was, it was disgusting because it was like regular fucking, you know, tea bag.
1: Yeah. English tea. Like
0: and dust in a paper bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like lead shit. It was terrible. So, I was like, I'm not missing anything here. I don't want more of this, you know? So yeah. I didn't. Um, and then, like, yeah, I mean, I, I have, there's the rest of it is like, a, is a series of points on a timeline where effectively mm-hmm. I was exposed to better tea. I had a girlfriend mm. who didn't drink. She drank, she was like prosumer kind of, like she drank the good stuff from Whole Foods. You know, like okay. she, she would get like better regular people tea. And that was like the first time I would have like regular, it was still regular people, it was still trash, but it was like less <laughs> disgusting than like, yeah yeah you know, whatever. It
1: was organic trash.
0: Yeah. It was, it was just, it was not so disgusting. And then I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, that's cool. Then she went to China. She got some legit stuff. It wasn't that legit. It was more herbal, but like. It was the it broadened the spectrum that there's another thing out there. Then yeah. I lived next to this Korean tea house in New York, and mm. I remember okay, I, it was like a vegan restaurant and tea house. What and, was it called? Uh, Francia. I don't know why it's called Francia, but okay. So huh. the other place is called um, Hungawi. Okay. So they have Two places. One is a vegan, like it's beautiful. It's on. It's in K Town called Hungawi, and um, it's really cool, and they have good tea there. And then a few blocks away on Thirty Fifth and Park is Francia. I don't know why it's called Francia because it's a Korean mm. place, and the name like, ugh. but yeah, they have really good tea there, and and so I would go there just like for lunch, and then I would see on the menu that they had like a separate tea menu and there's a page first picking, second picking, third picking. And that I was like, what does that mean? You know, oh, tea leaves are a thing. Oh, there's a quality level to them. Oh, there's a season for them. There's a freshness level. There's certain parts of the plant that, you know, this just opened my Mm. eyes to another thing. Like, Oh, there's just getting into the granular aspects of it. Um, And that was like, I didn't do a deep dive. It wasn't was instant. It took a couple more years. But, but like once I understood some of the spectrum, it was just like I was excited about I moved to Los Angeles a couple of years after that. And when I would meet tea people, I would get excited and I would communicate with them. And then mm-hmm. it was basically meeting other tea people who And there's a lot of them me, in LA. Yeah. So there's, there's no tea houses in LA. New York has great tea houses, but LA has no, there's, there's private stuff, but there's no like walk in and get tea at a good tea that doesn't exist in Los Angeles, strangely. Um, Uh. but there's a community and they do tastings and they do, there's, there's cool stuff there. There's, um, some Japanese temples and stuff like that. And then there's just like people who organize at their houses and they import stuff. And it's it's really cool once you get super into it. And I just, you know, I happened upon some of those people. And then I went to Little Tokyo. I went to the tea festival and stuff. And like it was just one thing after another. It's um, cool. Of of so learning. So you- and then I stacked and then then I, just, then I took it upon myself. I started hosting at my house. Like oh, Saturday, cool. Sunday morning. I would just let, like my friend Jason, my friend Gian. Um, people that were really into tea that were way more knowledgeable than me. I would just like, yo, do you want to like come? Give them a venue. Hang out sometime, yeah, and just like invite whoever you want, and just and we would just we would get tea drunk, and then like go for lunch nearby. But like we'd get tea drunk from like nine a.m. to like three p.m. and just everyone would just bring (laughs) stuff, and it would just be like a table full of just like incredible tea and it was just like shot for shot and then we'd all be wasted you know because we wouldn't eat and then we'd all go for lunch after but yeah it was like those kinds of sessions where so I didn't get into it with any kind of like there was no practice there was no like uh no platform no infrastructure there was there was no connection to it like it wasn't like I like meditation so I like tea it was just like this is a good drink I think also there might be like something behind this read the Kakuza Okakura, like the basic shit you know now since Uh -uh. then i've I've really like i know my shit now but there was a time where it was just like i had the 101 and i lived a really nice tea life with a 101 understanding and like you get that 101 understanding and like Holy, it, it is night and day just that one-on-one you read the 36 page kakuzo okakora book and like if you have that level of understanding it changes everything for you now i'm in a whole nother another sector of it but
1: i think it's now like i can your tell levels. you what
0: farms and stuff yeah i could tell you like yeah. what type of tea you drink at what type time of year and 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 if you get it from this guy versus that guy like now now i could do all that but like once i got that very like those sessions with gian and jason and people like that once i had that level of understanding that i knew the difference between baozhong and dong ding and oriental beauty yeah. and stuff like that once i got there it was oh it was like it, it became such that yeah you know what I'll, okay this is a funny way to think about it film and music are like my biggest biggest passions for my whole life and i'd wow. say like clothing right beneath that and tea just like catapulted up into that and all of a sudden like film music and tea are like like i hear things i see things and i taste things yeah And like that's it just became my world and yeah, yeah i think about everything in terms of tea i think about everything in terms of tea and djing i think that mm-hmm. my understanding of djing and my understanding of tea are like the 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 cornerstone the, the, those are oh, the wow djing i feel world
1: I feel like completely, uh, intimidated by DJing. Cause like when I was a kid, it's, it's actually strange when I was like, I, I have a cousin who was like my age, you know, mm-hmm. he's actually like a, a couple hours older than me. Um, <laughs> uh, and he grew up in like the heart of little Havana and, uh, somehow God only knows who the fuck he was messing with. But when we were like nine and 10 years old, somehow, he ended up with two turntables and a mixer and uh, and some speakers cool. and a bunch of vinyl. And dude, every time that I would go to his house, he would just be mixing and mixing and mixing and mixing uh-huh. and mixing. And he had like he has like he had like it was written on vinyl, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had, like, all these old... That was a great
0: music. record to learn on. I I, I would, was, uh, back in the day, I, I don't know, I'm 35, but it was written th- those... I'm 34, uh, we were, yeah. the, Oh, so it's so the same era, yeah. Um, but I would juggle those beats. Like, that was one, wow. of the, one of the records that I would learn with, just going, you know, just cutting up one, mixing yeah. back, cutting up, just looping. That's, like, how you learn turntablism. You just loop, and it was written, was a great record to do that with. Just taking those... Well, that's first 16s, you know
1: we used to we used to jam on it was written and uh, Machiavelli you know and and so like uh, but but to this day dude like like I have a little speaker at home I mean Uh a little turntable at home and like it's like it's got a built-in preamp and it goes directly into computer speakers and every time that I and, and it's like okay it works but I'm like I know that I'm like you know, like I'm, I'm like intimidated by, like, it's so expensive, the equipment, the speakers. And then I, and then but I don't know, yo, like, what the mix None of that matters
0: anymore, though. Like, you're either, there's not going to be like all the, the turntablism part, like, that, that thing is over. Like, like, there's, it's still wonderful, but you don't need to, you, you don't need any of that. Like, you could go DJ with just as much technical prowess, like, with 15 minutes of literally, like, you could, you could go the, the gear that exists today, you could, spend 15 minutes learning how to use it and go out and play there's stuff that i can do blending records and and you know artistically but you know technically it's very little like i mean i'm rusty as fuck right now like i haven't played in a while but like i wouldn't be technically it's not like you need to back in the day oh my god like like what you're describing b- chopping Thinking up like records how, and looping is so hard I, i've never been how, a good yeah. turntableist, but djing live like, dance music is is a whole different thing and today my, my you don't need my, the turntablism
1: but what, what i what i listen to a lot of like i just can't get enough of it is mad lib and j dilla you know like, cool. uh, like i listen to mad lib and, j. Dilla and mf doom's beats too yeah. Like I like I I I just like like I if I just had those three producers on loop for the rest of my life I'd be perfectly happy. But dude, when I think about them doing what they did at the time that they did with the equipment that they had, it's it's like it's it's madness, dude. It's crazy.
0: It's a weird thing to think about because the amount of technical skill, the development that it took for people like that to to get there was insane it was so difficult to do those things to loop period was so hard exactly and you know yeah. tape kind of shit is so hard and now Imagine. it's like it's a button now it's you have your yeah. usb turntable and it just literally like you could go lay that down press you know press record play stop it's in there put it That's into it. whatever program you want to put it into and like you're you know you're a producer it's Dude,
1: crazy to think of what like to think of like cool Herc, you know the very first person to do it you know like god only knows man uh oh doing it is. on
0: the before there was before scratching was a thing and doing it on like a regular mixer
1: with doing just it two in two 1979, 1979 crazy before nobody had ever done it yeah you know like that's that's crazy to, you know? it's
0: crazy hard i'm not i was never a good scratch dj but i had the best gear like i was doing it on you know technics and and yeah. and newmark ttxs and stuff with i i had a rain 56 was the mixer that i had at home and it was the best scratch mixer ever really um and i wasn't good
1: yeah yeah <laughs> so for
0: the people who had you know the early gear it's a whole nother the amount of practice the amount of you know 18 hours in a row they would they would practice it was nuts yeah yeah anyway but uh but yeah but i but my my knowledge of djing is more i was never a good scratch dj i was i mean i am like i i play dance music and uh like like playing for people is more my skill i'm i was now i'm not like one who like i'm big on like don't you know, I don't want people to like look at me. I want them to be dancing and doing other
1: enjoying things. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Scratching is more of like a performance and it's like a, a call and response kind of thing. That's never been my skill set. Um I see. I love that kind of stuff. I actually learned from those types of DJs. Um, like like I emerge was like one of the first people to to teach me who won mm. uh who 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 won the the he won two years in a row. Um what, what is it the uh, i'm like blanking this like the scratching championships yeah yeah whatever uh, but uh that was how i got exposed to it like cool. those kinds of hip-hop scratch djs but one of them was watching me play at one point and he was like why are you doing that and i'm like what are you talking about and he's like well, that's, not <laughs> how to, that's not how to mix this kind of music that's what you would do with this other kind of music And Ah. he's like, try doing the same thing. And he was like, he was based, I was playing hip hop. Like with, I was playing hip hop with house music technique. And he told me, try using your, so like they were teaching me all these techniques and I was like ignoring them. I had these house music techniques ingrained in me from like my youth, Ah. from uh, being exposed to it through like um, my family had like a disco label and a house music label. Oh, wow. And I just like, I, I'll never forget talking to this one DJ named Jonathan Peters who told me like specifically like not to touch the vinyl at certain times. And I remember when I learned to do that, like with scratch DJs, I I ignored it because I was just like, No, you're not supposed to do that. Like I know better. And so I didn't do a lot of the stuff that hip hop DJs do. And I would play hip hop records where I would like loop the front eight beats mm-hmm. and they'd be like and i would like get off on on looping these you know the end and the beginning of these things like before serato had these things before, where you just like auto it and he's like he's like why are you doing that and i'm like oh i'm just like you know i like blending i like these like transitions and stuff and making it and stretching them out and like hearing you know the the highs of one and the lows of the other blah blah, blah. and he was like yeah like on in hip-hop just like drop it on the one and I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, and he's like, try doing this on, uh, and and he, and he gave me. I, I think I, I had some DFA records in there, and I just like did the same thing on these DFA records. And um, and, it and was you like, like that Oh,
1: that's what I've
0: been. That's what I should have been doing this whole time. I was like, uh, I didn't. It was like, okay, that's the rest of my life. And and wow. yeah, basically, like that was the rest of my life because uh, everything that I was doing was uh, was applicable to a whole nother just just style but it was like not my socially like socially i when i would go out i would go out to places like like, like, you know today like d nice is having his moment like i used to hear d nice spin all the time people Mm -hmm. like that um so i would play the kind of sounds like them but technically i dj'd completely differently and and then I segued to like proper dance music, and then it was like, hmm. oh, this is what I do. This is crazy oh, cool. that I was doing something else before. Huh. Anyway, but um, but, but my, my, my DJing is very like the technicality of it is not intimidating at all. People learn yeah. it very fast. The kind of stuff that I do, but the kind of stuff that you were talking about with scratching and stuff takes years, and it's I'm crazy. still I'm not good at it.
1: Yeah, I I, like my outside of outside of the my real like. Uh, it, like my hobbies, I'd say, like, you know, like, um, I've been doing martial arts for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I started doing karate when I was six. I started boxing when I was like three. <laughs> uh, oh. and then I played football and then, uh, and then I started karate. And then I stopped karate when I started playing football in like middle school. And then I'd be, and then like in college when I like, started tripping out on lsd i like stopped all combat sports and really like dove deep into uh yoga uh, okay. you know and like was just deep in the yoga and meditation game until i was like 24. uh and that was when i ran into my karate teacher from when i was a kid just randomly. and i started talking to him about yoga and about qigong and you know we started talking about qigong and about like the kind of like the lineage of like qigong becoming tai chi becoming martial arts becoming uh kung fu and then becoming okinawan karate and okinawan karate and mixing then that's that. what led you to tea eventually
0: well right? well then no? Uh, no or was no, that simultaneous
1: it, yeah it was simultaneous it was okay. happening while i was at the buddhist temple so then like uh you know it was like right around the time that i was already starting jojo tea okay and then, oh, okay, uh, you know, I, yeah. So then I ran into my teacher and just decided that it would be a, a cool opportunity to, to practice. And, uh, my teacher is, a he's a, he's a psychologist. He's been a psychologist in Miami-Dade public school system for like 35 years. So it's really, uh, dude, like, I can't tell you how much I love, like, uh, those classes because like, there's a group of people, you know, ranging, like he has a kid's class and an adult's class, but the adult yeah. class really is like, 14 years old and up, you know? So there's a lot of kids in there, you know, or there's some kids in there, but like whether it's the kids or the adults or, you know, like it's, uh, I find it so fascinating the way that we all have our, our insecurities, you know? And like, uh, he has this amazing ability to like fish out your insecurity, you know, and in the middle of you doing some like difficult pose where you're like trying to remember the next thing that comes and then you're like in the middle of doing it, he will be like, uh, Oh, you, you fucked up there. I think you smoked a little too much weed this weekend, huh? Funny. And you're like in the middle of the thing and he like yeah. hits you on something that you're insecure about. You know? yeah. 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 And it's like you, and you have to keep going and you have to like, you know, if you, if he knocks you off of your game, then what's
0: about he, balance. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he won and he
0: likes to and, and find and he, balance in the rest of your life with that insecurity as well.
1: Exactly. And 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 if somebody who is like uh who is dedicated their whole life to finding the insecurity and then hitting you when you're vulnerable, if you can like stand up to that person, then it's like who the fuck can knock you off of your game, you know what I mean?
0: Does he drink tea?
1: Yeah. Do but, you uh, but, integrate,
0: but, like, tea into those classes with the kids and stuff, or no?
1: No, 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 no. The, the most that we'll do is, like, uh, you know, when, when we have, like, when we have black belt classes that, you know, that only the black belts go, then I'll usually, like, I'll, I'll bring a kettle and some tea, and then after class we'll sit down and have tea and just talk, you know?
0: So what's, like, Miami – so you've been at it for 10 years. What, like, what's Miami tea culture like? Or is it
1: – man? because
0: you, um, you do accounts also you know you do restaurants you do lots of different yeah. kinds of things
1: I mean like um, there's like there you know like um, I feel like there's no way to answer that question without sounding like an arrogant asshole um, so I know that I'm an asshole but we've like, um, outside of us, there's not a lot, man. It's like, you know, there's a little tea company called small tea. That's like a little tea room, you know? Uh, but you know, and they offer like 40 teas and out of, and, and the only most of the city, are this isn't guy. crazy
0: thing. It's arrogant. Like most places yeah. in America have at best one semi legit tea place. Like yeah, if you, yeah. in America, most have nothing and at best there might be like a shop that has like okay stuff. But like, usually it's one of those things where you get like the giant tins lined up on
1: a wall. Yeah. Like the spice bowl. and tea and exchange, just... uh-huh. a spice and tea exchange where you can get a, you can get a barbecue blend and then next to it, you can get an Earl Grey tea and then next to it you can get a, you know what I mean? It's like Italian seasoning. You know what I mean? It's like a, <laughs> that kind of shit, you know? Sure. Um, but um so have you, you know, so
0: okay so so but, like uh, you, I, 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 yeah, I want to say
1: ahead. I because of the fact that we work with uh so many and we have worked with so many restaurants over the past right. decade um what I do is like whenever we do a staff training whenever we have a new account I'll do a staff training for the account and I'll go and I'll teach the the people that whoever's working with the tea I'll, okay look let's talk about tea what is tea yeah. Okay, what is camellia sinensis? What is white tea? What is green tea? What is oolong tea? What is black tea? And I just give them a, a, enough of a fundamental understanding to just wet their appetite a little bit. You know what I mean? Just enough that they are like, holy shit, tea is pretty fucking in depth. You know what I mean? And then I just arm them with enough knowledge to make sure that they're not going to burn any green tea and that they're getting a full extraction out of everything else. Okay, right. solid. You're good. And then doing that over the past 10 years. I mean, that's like that
0: one oh one that I was talking about. Like literally just getting that is so yeah. valuable and totally changes someone's tea life. Like if you just exactly. literally just only just instead of the whole foods tea bag that they get or whatever the, the, you know, the garbage dust, instead of that, if you just make them leaves in a cup with the exactly. right temperature water, you know, for no one's going to leave it in there for that long anyway. So it's like not really but that's, fuck that up. And like, the, but that's that's it, the that trap. totally changes it.
1: But that's the trap for us too. You know, I, because like for me, for like that, like it took me at least like eight years to understand that less is more and to understand that, like the more I spell out those discoveries for my guests, the less it's going to mean to them. I know like
0: a tagline for me is like, I like my house music slow and my tea steeps fast. Like, <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, like uh, if the, the more I say, the, the less they're going to learn about tea at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that story you, you heard of Sen no Riku?
0: Yes. But tell the story.
1: So there's this one of the many stories about Sendorikyu, and it's a story that, like, dude, I I tell this story, like, the story is everything to me Uh, when it comes to, like, the practice of tea. Because we're saying, like, look, like, in those, like, staff trainings, if I can keep it really simple, look, this is green tea, this is black tea, make sure you don't pour boiling water over green tea because you're over-extract tannins. This is how they're made, boom. Then they get excited about it. If I get excited and I start talking and talking and talking and talking and talking all it oh, then the thing you gotta, you know, are you, that depends. Is it a Wu Yi Oolong, a Phoenix Oolong, an Anxi Oolong, or a Taiwan Oolong? And then where in Taiwan? They're like, what the fuck? Right. way over talking? their head, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: No, if you so just give like, them the oxidation scales and like a little bit about what it's gonna taste like, that's it.
1: And exactly. And um, so there's a story about Sen Noryu that like he, you know, he's like he's like the Japanese Lu Yu, you know, he's like mm-hmm. the the tea saint of Japan. He's considered the father of Japanese tea ceremony. And uh, there was one uh, student that wanted to come study tea ceremony with Sen Rikyu. And he had studied tea for a long time before already, you know, and he was doing tea ceremonies. But everybody was talking about this guy, Sen Rikyu, who was an amer- amazing teacher. And he felt like, all right, I got to go study from Sen Rikyu, you know? So he asked Sen Rikyu if he can study with him. Sen Rikyu says, yes. And the student spends four years studying with Sen So at the end of the fourth year, he says, Master, I've been studying with you for four years. I feel like I've learned so much about tea. And Sen is like, Yeah, you've learned a lot about tea. And then the student says, But I feel like there's one fundamental secret to tea that mm-hmm. I just don't understand yet. And Sen Norikyu goes, Yes, that's true. There is one big fundamental secret to tea that you don't understand yet. So, okay, what is it? Here's this, the secret to tea, heat water, make tea, drink it. Like I says, well, fuck you. (laughs) I knew that before I came here. You know, Uh, I I didn't need you to tell me that heat the water, make the tea, drink it. Yeah. No shit. What the fuck else are you going to do with it? You know, and then uh you know he blows up and Senoriku says, the day that you can just heat water and make tea and drink it and not do anything else, from that day until my dying day I shall call you master. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like the 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 lessons, all of the lessons are in the water and the leaves. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think that like what tea is and means can only be experienced. And like, it's like meditation, man. Like, like there, I, I enjoy talking about meditation way too much and I get all excited about like the impermanence of mental phenomena. But if somebody doesn't have a direct experience of that, it's like talking Chinese doesn't mean shit. It's not going to connect. You know what I mean? And it's the well, same I mean, exact for this show,
0: you know, that that's why, that's like, I, I want to sort of mainstream tea as much as I can. Uh, uh, th- like, I'm going to, you know, I have episodes that are deep dives into music stuff, film stuff, uh, whatever, you know, things that are more out there already. But um, I want, I, you know, I think about this as like to the regular person, here's like the information that can elevate this part of your life, if you're interested, right. you know, and, and, and draw and them in that, a little bit and yeah,
1: so anyone can that do such it. A depth, yeah. Show that such a depth even exists. You know, it's like, dude, there's this guy in North. I think he lives in Nevada city, California. This guy, he, he asked to be my friend on Facebook and just because of the tea scene this year, I, I last last from that, the won...
0: tea masters cup thing.
1: Yeah, when I won the that World T Expo. Like, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. So tell I was I had that on my list of like topics. Like like you the World Tea Expo is in Las Vegas once a year in June, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically it's like yeah. supposed to be you know coming up. And uh, yeah. they have a Masters Cup. I, I I think uh, you know, Tony Gebley. Did he organize it or is he just part of Tony
1: Gabley, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um he, he, he Gabley or like I
0: said I said Gabley, Gabley. Sorry. Gabley. Gabley, okay.
1: Yeah, he's uh Tony and the American Specialty Tea Alliance. Uh right. were the ones that uh kind of like um
0: uh, and Mike won.
1: Together. Yeah, for the for I won the American blend. uh for no for for, for uh, tea preparation. It was for like a tea, a gong fu tea presentation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for uh gong fu tea like a uh, preparation and presentation of the tea, you know
0: will you explain because we've kind of grazed over it but like explain what that is what what gong fu tea preparation is to a layman yeah
1: so like uh so first off like um i think okay i what i'll do is first i'll discuss what gong fu tea preparation is and then i'll discuss uh like the rubric on which we were judged in the competition yeah tell us
0: about the tell us about the whole thing the competition where
1: so like the way that I like to describe it that I think makes the, the most song. sense where uh, the way that I like to describe it, that I think makes the most sense that people can understand easily is that like, so the Western style of tea making that we're used to involves taking a little bit of tea and putting it in a lot of water for about five minutes. Right. And then we take the tea out and we drink the water now. Kung Fu tea is, uh, more like you use a lot of tea and a little bit of water, but instead of steeping it for five minutes, you steep it for like five breaths. So by, by upping the concentration of tea and reducing the concentration of water, you reduce the steep time. And then as a result of reducing the steep time, you can steep the same leaves many times, you know?
0: And are you using a Gaiwan an yixing, or what?
1: Uh, yes. You know, like whatever, I, I use, I, yeah, uh, whatever whatever I have access to. And, and and I think it's fun to even like work with what you've got and figure out a way to make it work. You know, they're just if, vessels if that
0: you put stuff in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're, if, if I'm, if I'm at home or in my tea room, you know, yeah, then I'll like, I'll use, uh, you know, uh, like this is a pot from Lynn ceramics. That's like a nice glazed clay pot. Uh, and then i've also got like some really great yixing stuff i have got some nice uh porcelain gaiwans that i tend to i i like using gaiwans uh particularly for phoenix mountain oolongs. that's what i like okay. to use them the most for i think that like just the uh phoenix mountain oolongs. I, I i like to compare them to like a 16 year old girl in a bright red convertible it's like it's like, she, like, she's just discovering that she's sexy and she's dying for everybody to discover her. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like Phoenix mountain mulongs are just like yelling, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know? But the guy just like, I think that the guy because there's so much surface area, there's room for like such a thorough extraction of aromatics and there's, it's such an aromatic tea that it's like, it's perfect, you know? So I like to use like, if I, if I can have my pick, you know, I'll use like a, I use like a Yixing clay basically for, for, you know, for like, uh, just about any Oolong, any Xiongpur, any Shoupur, any Hongcha, any like red tea, you know? And then, um, I like to use a uh, Gaiwan for white tea. and I like to use Gaiwan for uh Phoenix mountain oolongs. And then I like to use glass for uh, uh green tea and yellow tea too. And then, uh, but, but, but again, like, I think it's like, like uh, something that I always like to do is like, if I know I'm going to go on vacation, I'll just take a little bag of tea. Like I'll just take this, you know, and then I'll get there and okay. I've got a K cup water heater. I've got paper cups. Okay. I'll like, and I'll make it work and I'll try and see how delicious I can make it. Even if the water has a natural coffee taste, how can I fuck with that? How can I make it? (laughs) as delicious as I can, you know, I think that that's I bring like stuff uh, with
0: me. I bring a few different things. I bring a bunch of tea, but I also bring some like a little uh like a like a little a salt. travel part, set. Basically. Yeah,
1: I mean I I, yeah. I I do that too sometimes, you know. It's like it's yeah. like but but I think that it's like uh like to you don't have it's really to. refreshing. Yeah, I think it's refreshing that it's like it's it's leaves on water and like uh the more we can you could also just
0: do it chinese style grandpa style and just put leaves in a cup and drink it and then add more water drink it and you're gonna get something a lot of oh there you go yeah nice bowl right just put it in a bowl and just leaves at the bottom and drink it as you go and you could adjust the temperature don't go down in temperature really go up in temperature but um It's a cool way to, part of what I always love to do with tea is just like explore the whole spectrum of it. And that's a, you know, grandpa style is a way that you can, you can get
1: all of it. Yeah. And and that Glen Livid blend that you're drinking, like, you know, be for the first, uh, no, I'm saying that like for the first, (laughs) like uh, for the first, maybe like three or four years of Jojo tea, like the idea of like making a tea cocktail was like sacrilege it's like what are uh, you what are you talking about you know dude let me tell you something man like i'm ha- dude i like i have so much fun creating cocktails now you know um the last cocktail that i made was a clarified milk punch you know what that is
0: not no tell me
1: so you you know how like if you you know what happens if you pour lemon juice into milk no so if you take a glass of milk and you pour lemon juice into it, the fat from the milk curdles and wow. it separates from the water in the milk. Right. So there's this cocktail technique called milk wash or a clarified milk punch that was developed in the 1700s by an actress. Uh, and it, ex- and it extended the shelf life of rum punches. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I take like, like the one that I made is uh, pineapple juice, sugar, lemon juice, orange peels, and lemon peels. I let that sit, right? I pour into that uh rum, uh cognac and sweet and a little bit of a, of dry vermouth. <laughs> cool. And now I mix all that up and that's like super acidic. I mean it's pineapple juice, lemon juice, rum and uh and vermouth, you know, and brandy. But then I'll like simmer chai tea in milk for like a half hour you know then strain all of the milk all of the the tea out and i'll pour the milk into the cocktail then because the cocktail is so acidic it causes the like the the milk fat catches all of the solids and kind of like coagulates around them and that extracts all of the harsh and bitter flavors out of the cocktail
0: we have to put this into the, into the notes so that we can tell people how to do this. <laughs> dude. And then you
1: pour that through like uh, coffee filters and you okay. extract all of the like solids and you just get yeah, this clear, up. you get like a clear liquid that is like, uh, like not, it's like, it's like thicker than water, but like thinner than oil. And it has like a super luxurious, silky, like creamy, delicious mouthfeel um cool. it's uh, ridiculous like and, and and it's like and then you think about like the retronasal flavors of teas you know like uh like after the the flavors that happen after you swallow you know so when you make a cocktail the spirit the whether it's a whiskey or a rum or a vodka is going to carry those foods, yeah you mm-hmm. know and uh dude it creates these opportunities to create these flavors that are like uh confusing and delicious. I have like, to connect we, you with Lucinda. <laughs> no, it'd be, it'd be an honor, you know, yeah. we, like we made a, a green jasmine tea margarita with white grapes and cilantro. Cool. You know, it was, and it's amazing with lime and green jasmine tea, you know, and uh, it's just like, a, that that's one element of tea. So are,
0: are, are bartenders making those and serving those?
1: Yeah. And like, and we'll even like, you know, we'll even like collaborate on customized blends for them, you know? Really and then cool. you know we'll what are go, some places you
0: know, in miami or or elsewhere that are doing it
1: so kaido is uh have you ever heard of mace in new york over there in the west village
0: oh yeah yeah
1: so their cocktail director has a spot down here in miami uh their oh, owner cool. actually i
0: went there, there i went there just uh last year and it was really really great
1: yeah i love them they're yeah. they're on their own planet cool. um sorry i got a uh, I had an incoming call um, um so um, yeah, so I work with Nicole at Kaido, uh, the Matador Room in the Edition Hotel. Uh, their uh, beverage director is Kip Byrne. He's got a couple clarified milk punches that are using RT on the menu. Awesome. Uh, usually the guys at the Broken Shaker and Twenty Seven yeah. will have will have some sort of expression yeah. of RT on the menu. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of places, you know. Spanglish uh, is a new bar that just opened down in Winwood, Spanglish and uh, Grails they've got our our iced teas and they've got some like a tea collaborative cocktails on there uh who else um
0: i gotta come check them out yeah i spent a lot of time in winwood when i was i was down there during art Basel for like a week or two Um, this past year yeah just a few months ago yeah nice nice so we were in winwood a bunch um
1: yeah did you ever go to winwood uh Back around like 2011, Oh, definitely. I mean,
0: I've been I've been spending time in Miami my whole life.
1: Um, okay, we yeah. Word, I knew
0: right. what Wynwood was like before it was. I think it's I played word, at it. Bardot, you know, a while ago.
1: That was the like, best, man. Those yeah. days, those days were magical, man. Those, those days were, were really so. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> those days were so special, dude. Like those days were. You, you, I remember, like, I would. I remember, I would relish driving into Wynwood to make a delivery,
0: because oh, I yeah. knew that
1: if I was going into Wynwood to make a delivery at 2 p.m. I didn't know what the rest of the day was gonna, like. <laughs> you know. It was like, all right, I'm gonna budget the rest of the afternoon, and I'm to win with, right. You know, you don't know what the fuck is coming.
0: It's know. different now. What do you yeah, think yeah. of that other development? Uh, what Magic City, right?
1: And well, I mean, you know, I think that uh, I I don't know what to think because I've been hearing about it for so many years, but it doesn't really, you know. It, it, I, I I know that the money behind it is serious. You mm-hmm. know, I know that they're. It's the same Winwood.
0: It's the same real estate guys, isn't it? The three guys uh, from the
1: Winwood development, or something. Yeah, but 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 there's big, but like the guys that are actually putting up the Magic City project is the uh, the team behind Cirque du Soleil.
0: Right, right. Oh yeah, I met him. I met. I was at the opening, the base camp opening. Yeah. Uh, so I did a stage at Coachella with with a guy named David Corso, oh, wow. who he produced. Like he's he's he produced the base camp thing, and so I was yeah. with them for the opening during Art Basel, and I met the the Cirque du Soleil guy um sure right. so yeah
1: so they're 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 putting like you know from what i understand they're putting like a couple billion dollars into the neighborhood you
0: should have a little outpost at base camp
1: well i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking at uh moving into the neighborhood oh cool but uh yeah yeah i'm looking i'm looking at moving into the neighborhood because we got to move out of the we got to move out of here pretty soon so oh, okay uh yeah so we're we're exploring options now
0: I'm going to spend more time in Miami in the future. My family got a place on like Northern Collins, or I don't know what Northern Collins is, but it's like a hundred something street. Um, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. where I've never really hung out. I'm always more south, but I think I've like. It's liked- a chill area. Yeah. Okay. Buddy of it's mine on the beach, though. Yeah. Yeah. A
1: buddy, a buddy of mine lived up there on like 95th and Collins. Right, and I used to love going to his house, bro. Like because it was so far removed from everything. He had an apartment also right like that on the water, and it was like you just go and you know chill, and you didn't have to worry about a damn thing in the world because you're so far removed from like South Beach and the design district and all the. Yeah, man, it's really to me
0: like you know up until recently of of realizing it was always like the Fountain Blue, and then it's just North Miami Beach. You know, it's like (laughs) NMB. Oh, wait, did I lose you? Hello? Did it cut off?
1: All right.
0: Okay, we had technical, but uh, we're back. Um, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we could talk about Miami shit,
1: like, forever. We fell into, um, deep. Oh, we fell into <laughs> a deep Miami rabbit hole. That's 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 a good rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, things
0: I want, to, I want to get on this before we wrap, and we could always, like, you know, do another another time, but I want to talk about like nepal your trips and stuff like that like where in the world you've gone um Mm -hmm. for tea and i guess to end to relevantize everything is just like how has the world been affected by pandemic and how has tea been affected and, and and your business and partners elsewhere supply all of it um so yeah so just like First, I guess, you know, what have been some really exciting places that have moved you where you've gone on tea trips and then how's, how's it all today?
1: Um, I think that like, uh, so we, I, I used to have a business partner in Jojo T and him and I have historically split up the, the traveling, you know? So historically I've gone to, whenever we need to go to China or Taiwan, I go. And whenever we needed to go to India, Nepal, or Japan, he would go.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's so, cool because you uh, develop
0: your relationships and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for the next trips, so I'll be doing India and Nepal as well. But in the past, I've only done uh, China and Taiwan. Um, You know, it's like, um, like
0: well, Yeah, tell us areas and stuff like that.
1: Oh, sure, sure. So like the first year, in Taiwan, I started off in Taipei, uh, you know, just kind of visiting uh, uh, like historic tea houses in Taipei. From there, I went down to Ali Shan and had a, a like sat in on a, a, a session of making uh, milk oolong, you know, Shan
0: tea. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like sweet, it's really like uh it's there's like a creaminess to it and yeah the milk oolongs are like really they're like obnoxious almost like yeah it's
1: it's great they're so creamy they have something to prove it's like yeah
0: like if you leave an alishan in for too long it's just like it's obnoxious yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs) but it can be perfect can be so delicious so uh i spent some time on alishan then from there i went to sun moon lake uh, and saw some, some Ruby lake 18. Is like
0: legendary, like talk about, yeah, t- t- talk about something like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a mountain in the middle of uh, a lake in the middle of the mountains in central Taiwan. It's famous for making this, uh, red tea called Ruby 18. It's a, uh, well, you know what they call in China, red tea, what we call black tea, the same category, but it's not a heavily roasted. It's like roasted at a much lighter temperature. So you get the same kind of tanginess and flavor profile of black tea, but you get the mouthfeel closer to like peppermint that kind of like cooling sensation. And, uh, so I, I spent some good time in Sun Moon Lake, uh, and made a good friend in Sun Moon Lake, uh, Alfredo Lynn. He is, uh, he makes a really great Ruby 18 and Ruby white. Uh, he works with, uh, he works with Jojo tea. He also works with tea and works with spirit tea out of Chicago. And uh, he's, a, he, a, a, along with many other American meat dealers, he's a he's a great uh, tea master, you know? Um, then um, from there, I visited like some like bigger commercial production facilities of Oriental Beauty. Uh, then I visited another one of our producers back in Ali Shan who makes uh, like a Jade Mountain and Everspring, uh, the I family their, uh, dude, this is an amazing story. This lady, she moved to Taiwan with her family when she was seven years old, uh, during the cultural revolution. And she sent she went straight into making tea with her family and she developed and became a very good tea master, you know, and by the time that she was in her early forties, uh, she, it was time for her to take over the family business. So she decided that she wanted to go see if she can make tea in high mountains. But when she went into the high mountains, the gardeners there had never heard of a, a lady making tea before. So they were like, no, you can't make tea. Here. What are you crazy? And she's like, well, listen, let me, let me make a test batch. You know, let me make a sample batch. And if you think it's good. It was enough, like they're... your,
0: your trial under fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She she goes, yeah, but she, the, but the tea gardeners didn't know that they were the ones being tested, not her. <laughs> She goes. She goes to them. She's like, "All right, let me make a test batch, yeah. and then uh, and then I'll bring it back to you. And then based on how good you think the tea is, and whether or not you think it sells, you can give me a price on what it would cost to like rent your tea garden." And she made that agreement with twenty different gardeners without hmm. telling them. So then, once <laughs> they all tasted her tea and they're like, "Oh shit, damn, your tea is really good," she's like, "Okay, then meet me here on this day, and we'll discuss the pricing." And what she did on she that day was put up against each other. She, she put them all in the same room and she was like, literally, she put them all in the same room and she was like, all right, who's going to give me the best price. Wow. (laughs) And she had all these old dudes fighting each other. (laughs) So I spent, uh, I spent a few days with her, uh, seeing her production, getting to know her family, getting to know the way that they do business. And then, and then there was like a miraculous thing that happened that I think is like for the rest of my life will be a highlight. And it's still like a, such a dear connection. Uh, my friend Alfredo Lin, you know, he, we were talking about tea and he was like, man, you know, you really love tea. And I, yeah, I really love Oriental Beauty. And started talking about Oriental Beauty. I tell him about how it got me into tea. And he goes, you know, I have a friend that makes Oriental Beauty. And I think she's probably going to make some soon, you know. I go, oh, wow, cool. And like, You know, I had, like, I had had like I had booked the next three days in this beach town in South Taiwan just to go chill on the beach for the last three days of the trip, you know. And I go to meet this lady and this lady is like, yeah, you, you make Oriental beauty first, like I met, I met a a friend of hers and he's like, Oh, you like Oriental beauty here. I I have some that I just made. Hmm. Uh, I made this one on uh, I made this one on April 13th of this year. April 13th is my birthday.
0: Oh,
1: so I was like, okay, interesting. You know, And, and then I go to meet Rebecca. And this lady, she's like, yeah, I'm about to make oriental beauty. If you want, you can stay and you can just, we'll make a whole batch of oriental beauty together. So I canceled all the rest of my plans for the trip. And I stayed with her making oriental beauty from pluck to cup, you know?
0: That's your, your oriental beauty is like, is that your favorite?
1: I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it doesn't really like,
0: matter what a favorite is, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's, but but it's like, it's like, it's weird, man. Because it's like, you know, we talk about how, like, I don't understand tea. You don't understand tea. You know what I mean? Yeah like oriental beauty is a tea to me. That's like, it's, it's like, it's like a romantic thing. It's like my first kiss, you know, it's like, is it, is it, is my first kiss, my favorite kiss of all time? No. But is there a certain inexplicable magic about my first kiss that, that, that blows every other kiss out of the water? Yes. You know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah. That's how I feel about, and about
0: that beauty. connection there. Super cool. So,
1: so so, so being able to spend, you know, three days with her, making tea, drinking, tea
0: until, yeah.
1: drinking tea until two in the morning in the middle of the yeah. mountains, middle of like Sintu, wow. Beipu, Taiwan, nowhere. You know what I mean? That was it's exciting.
0: really, I mean, sitting here and wherever I am, like there's nothing like going into the fields and like going up on a mountain and, and like just putting a, putting a mat down and just like having a thermos with some water and, and making tea amongst it it's i i've i've done that a couple times and it's man. so that, it was
1: magic yeah yeah incredible and then uh and then the in, house, 2017, yeah. I, in 2017 i in 2017 i was really fortunate to to like i visited in 2017 i toured all over yunnan like all over xishuangbanna oh Banan. cool i went to, I went to yola uh let's see Yunnan Once, is, throughout- is central
0: China and is really considered like the birthplace it's 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 the the earliest tea and it's where all puer yeah. comes from too
1: between like Tibet and Thailand if you draw a line from Tibet to Thailand you would cross through the Yunnan province yeah and um the i mean like i i dude i I I saw the oldest tea tree in the world uh, it's at least 3000 year old tea tree the size of the wow. building that we're in right now Wow! I, I tasted, a. I was invited by some billionaire to taste, because uh, I was I was in a tea garden in Jingmai that was planted 800 years ago and then abandoned 700 years ago. So today it's a forest of 800-year-old tea trees, you know? Wow. And I was in there and I met this guy, uh, you know, when we struck up a conversation and he started kind of testing me about tea. And when I started telling him that I like Bana raw puer from Yola and Iwu, he was like, yeah, you know what, please join me. And dude, this guy had just paid. This guy had just paid up for two hundred fifty grams of supposedly eighteen eighty-eight imperial tribute raw Pooer. He had just bought it at auction for about four hundred twenty thousand bucks for two hundred fifty grams. So this is like a that.
0: whole. This could be multiple episodes. This could be like a whole series to talk about just Chinese pu'er speculation. Yeah. there's a whole there's mafia stuff there's conspiracies there's art to it because they make these sculptures out of it there's a whole another thing it's for Bubbles another it's like not even worth economic. going down to that rabbit uh-huh yeah like so, because tea like like art is worth what you say it's worth exactly. someone you know someone says it's worth this much as long as someone will pay it it's worth that's that right. much and that's, that's right. kind of so with Pu'er, Air, it got popular and then and then like Things, it, it, whatever. It's a whole. It's yeah, all.
1: Yeah, thread. it is. But, but, but the, uh, but the opportunity to taste an eighteen eighty eight poor is something that I'll never forget. The opportunity to wow. visit the tribes, the tribes in the Bulang Mountain, and visit temples made out to tea. You know, temples because the Bulang tribe views uh, tea as God. You know, views like a, it's not like humanity cultivated mm-hmm. the tea leaf. It's like the tea leaf cultivated humanity and taught mm-hmm. us how to exist in harmony with nature. You know, and continues so to try to teach us to
0: note that there are that people pay half a million dollars for, just like and yeah. or like like I had a sixty thousand dollar whiskey taste once, like stuff like that. You know that that yeah. exists, and I think that a lot of people just like they don't know that tea. Like they think you know tea like a ten dollar tea is, uh, you know,
1: that's it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then from, from there, <laughs> from there, I was able to go into Sichuan, and I visited Mengding Mountain which is where a lot of, most of the Tibetan tea comes from, you know, that okay. like it's like dark fermented tea, uh, I visited Mengding, on Mungding mountain, they've been making tea over a thousand years. Uh, and we oh. went and made a batch of tea there. Um, from there, uh, I actually had to go to the Netherlands, uh, to do some work with Norwegian cruise lines to train some of their staff. Oh, cool. And then I jumped from there. i jumped back to, uh, I was able to get to Wuyishan and visit Wuyishan for a while. Amazing. and uh and it was just like a few days walking around we drinking rock oolongs getting to know a producer out there you know
0: uh, yeah we oolongs for china it's, it's it's sort of like what i was saying about dong ding in in taiwan it's the exactly. these roasts but all a giant spectrum of them and that's kind of like the classic, the go-to classic. that's that's yeah it, 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 it's, it's like uh, there's a million of them and it's just it's yeah. really really good and, yeah Ui, it's on Ui, the Housen. eastern coast of china
1: mm-hmm. Wuyi Mountain is like where the whole idea of rolling and bruising and allowing leaves to oxidize and then roasting them. That's where it all started, you know. So like I feel like drinking Wuyi Mountain charcoal roasted oolongs is like a glimpse into the past of like, you know, if you you went to China in the 1500s and you stumbled into Wuyi Mountain, you know, people would be really excited about this new oxidized shit. You know what I mean?
0: So what do you know? You have contacts in all these places. How are, how is like, distri- how is manufacturing distribution everything? How has it been affected by, Dude, you know, pandemic right they're
1: now? They're like, like they're all fine, man. You know what I mean? Because like the, the Chinese <laughs> isolated, government, like, they, they, they've been isolated for a really long time and tea production didn't start until March, you know? Right. And like they had the brunt of this thing in like December, January. You know what I mean? So they had uh, it together by then already, yeah. Yeah. Like getting, getting product from China now, I mean, like there was, we had one shipment that we placed the order in January and we, we just received the last box of the shipment this week, you know, cause it was held up in customs for that long. Yeah. But it was, that's because, you know, like the order went out in the middle of the shit, you know, right. like I think that right now we don't have any problem with getting, with getting product over here. Where the problem is, is that we sell, we, we, we sold tea to over 300 restaurants and coffee shops and hotels, and now they're all closed. Now it's just the website and like the few restaurants and coffee shops that are still open and selling tea to go in one way or another, you know? Right. So the challenge is more, uh, and the obstacles really are more stateside and, uh, than abroad right now. There, there have been some increases in shipping prices, uh, which is a challenge, but, you know, as long as the clients are closed, you, know, you can ship it for free. It doesn't matter. You know, we're not, we, doesn't, we yeah. can't purchase Okay. You know? yeah. Yeah, nothing I, it's it. okay. it's worry. It's worrisome. I think uh, it's worrisome in the sense, like uh, the good news is that it's not a bad worry. It's worrisome in the sense that maybe the 2020 green tea season in the Western hemisphere, a lot of those are going to be 2019 teas. You know what I mean? Just because the so much of the teas that we bought in 2019 didn't have their expected sales, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So now you know it, it's like we have so much inventory, and that tea is still really good. You know, if you're if you're buying good green tea a year later, it's uh it's good. It's, you yeah. know, if you're buying yeah, really I drink, good drink green shinsha,
0: tea, even know. Japanese, you know, shinsha, which which deteriorates really really fast. I I drink it the a year fastest. later, like. Yeah, yeah, it's man, still something. A, it's not it's not the same, but it's not there's yeah. nothing like drinking it right like you know, getting that but first sheen shot from Tanegashima, but you could still have it a year later. Like it's still course. something.
1: I've got a I've got a bag of uh, Malfon from Huangshan, Yellow uh-huh. Mountain from 2017 and I'll still mess with that tea, dude. It's a 2017 green tea, like it breaks all the rules, but it's delicious and it's great. Yeah, especially if
0: you give it a roast or something like that, there's a lot you can do with it. I love hand roasting teas and waking them up, you know?
1: Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, for now, like other than that, it's just like, uh, you know, something that I think, like if uh, if your listeners wanna, uh, are interested in JoJo tea, you know our website is sipjojo.com I like to take a sip sipjojo.com our instagram handle is sipjojo and uh you know if you like if you're kind of like interested in getting into tea but you don't know where to begin something that we offer is called the jojo club that it's like a i should i should say if you're interested in getting into like real good no bullshit high level tea but you don't know where to begin because like the JoJo Club, it's a seasonal box. It goes out four times per year. Uh, I'm a member. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> it goes out four times per year, and those teas are like – those are the teas that I drink. You know what I mean? Those are the teas that I, that I drink and that I'm most excited to drink, man. That Oriental Beauty that – oh, no, 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 you haven't had it yet. Okay, that's right. That's Not right
0: yet, yeah, because I didn't get my – I've been all over the place, and I haven't gotten my shipments in forever.
1: <laughs> Dude, the Oriental Beauty that went out in the – in the in the in the in the April 1st box is like one like without a doubt one of the best teas that we've ever carried it's amazing
0: so it's sitting in it's sitting in the USPS on hold (laughs) by my house in in New York probably uh
1: did we ship it to New York I think we have I
0: don't know oh you oh you didn't ship it yet oh great then keep it hold it and I'll get it when I go to somewhere when I go somewhere that's like stable yeah because it's not worth sending here it's going to take forever
1: yeah. yeah we're, okay, we're, good. Oh, uh, good. I'm
0: glad it's not sitting
1: in, in New York. Cause that would be just yeah. a waste. Yeah. No, thanks for the support, man. Like, uh, you know, you, you've been a member of the Jojo club for a while and, uh, you know, it's like, I we're did, a, yeah. we're a small company and like, yeah, like, you know, that, that, that I think that that piece, that product is like, uh, you know, it, like it is what puts like, it's what I put, everything into because that, that those are like jewels those teas are jewels you know and like uh, it's re- I'm really proud to be able to share those you know
0: well hopefully you know the point of this show is to get a lot of that out there and encourage people to try it out so hopefully you know we can we can add some new members to it and um i'll certainly put all this info into the description as well as all we you know we could actually collab on some notes to maybe what? like draw up some some tips and resources mm-hmm. for people and uh Shout out some other places, depending on where they are in the country, where they are in the world. Tell them where sure. their local tea houses are. Uh, well, and I, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of this is like spotlighting all of it, telling people how they can enhance their
1: their tea life. Rock and roll, man. I love it. Dude, well, I gotta thank connect you so you with much for uh, –
0: Yeah, connect me with everybody.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got it. You got it.
0: Yeah, i in uh, Vegas in like two weeks, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But oh, yeah, it's good to connect. It's good to go all the way in on all this stuff. It's really fun. I love talking to you and um, we'll have to do it in person the next whenever, you know, whenever yeah, the world opens. I don't know
1: when the world. allows. I'll it. be spending more time
0: it. in Miami because I want to be by the ocean more. I know that remote work is just going to be the reality for a long time. So if I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to spend as little time possible, not in the ocean. So sure. Miami is <laughs> like one of the few places in the country that I'm willing to spend time. So, yeah, so I, I definitely have some Miami time in my future and, uh,
1: Good bro. Well, I look forward to, uh, forward to sipping together. Absolutely. Yeah, man.
0: Thank you so much. All right, cool. Mike, it's a pleasure. And, uh, You too, Sean. Stay
1: safe. Yeah, absolutely, you bro. Too. You too. It's, it doesn't sound like you're having trouble staying safe. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All right, bro. Cheers, Thank you. Talk soon. Peace. Peace, man.